Welcome to the Modern Homesteading Podcast. We have allowed ourselves to become so disconnected and ignorant about something that is as intimate as the food that we eat. Be prepared to grow your own for victory. God said I need somebody strong enough to clear trees and heave bales, yet gentle enough to yean lambs and wean pigs and tend the pink-foamed pullets who will stop his mower for an hour to splint the broken leg of a meadowlark. So God made a farmer. Hello and welcome to the Modern Homesteading Podcast. I'm your host, Harold Thornbro, and I'm glad you're joining us again this week. And uh, we have a great one for you today. I'm going to be joined by Robin Follett of alifeinthewild.com. You're really going to enjoy this, this episode. And uh, before we get into that, let's just talk about a few other things first. Uh, if you haven't already, make sure you go to uh, smalltownhomestead.com backslash homesteading summit, all one word, and uh, sign up for the Mother Earth News online summit it's going to be free to watch it starts october 31st and i know i've been beating this up pretty good but i think it's just it's too good to pass up you got some of the best presenters in the space going to be uh, teaching some homesteading things so uh, hey how can i not keep announcing this so head on over and sign up for that so you'll uh, know when it starts and you'll get uh, get emails on um, on the presentations and there will be encore presentations as well, from what I understand. If you miss some, you'll be able to watch some of the some of the presentations at the end. Uh, yeah, sign up for that. I think it's going to be really good. As far as here on the homestead, boy, I had a great harvest this morning. I've been going out maybe uh, just two or three times a week and grabbing a few things. And I had a great harvest this morning. I was out there, and the weather, the temperatures have kind of went back up a little bit. And it seems like things just kind of came back to life. We had a lot of tomatoes, a lot of green beans, a lot of peppers of all kinds. Uh, so I had a real good harvest this morning. And I've been busy uh, making some salsa and dehydrating some peppers and and, and doing a few other things. So, uh, yeah, the garden's doing really good still. And we're talking middle of October in Indiana. And it's just kind of amazing to me because in previous years... I've pretty much put the garden to bed for the year at this point, and it still seems to be going strong. So, which I'm not complaining. I'm loving it. A lot of a lot of good eating there, you know. So uh, I don't know how yours is doing. Uh, I'd love to hear about it. Drop uh, drop us an email or head on over to the Homestead Front Porch Facebook group. Uh, just type in Homestead Front Porch in Facebook search and uh, find us and ask to join, and we'll get you in there. And you're just just a great community of folks in there already, and I think we're we're well over 800 people in there now. And uh, you know, folks are are sharing pictures of their their homestead and their gardens and their harvests, and and you know, asking a lot of great questions, giving a lot of great advice. And there's just a lot going on in there. And I really want you to be a part of that group. It's it's the our Facebook page for this podcast. But you know what? Uh, I do post a podcast in every week, but it's not really the main topic of any discussion in there. It's just a fun place to come and hang out and talk about homesteading. So swing on over and join the Homestead Front Porch. We would love to have you there. With all that aside, let's just uh, jump into uh, the interview with Robin Follett. I'm joined today on the podcast by Robin Follett from alifeinthewild.com. How are you doing today, Robin? I'm good. How are you? I'm doing really good. I'm glad to have you on the podcast. Uh, um, I've been reading your stuff for quite a while on your blog. Uh, I've been aware of it for quite a while, and I'm sure uh, a lot of our audience is as well. And you're part of our um, our Homestead Front Porch Facebook group, 
And um, That's right. a lot of people in there, I'm sure, have visited your site. But uh, why don't you take a couple of minutes and just tell us a little bit about yourself and how you got into homesteading. Well, I grew up just outside of a small city in Maine and traveled a bit because my father was in the Air Force. We settled back in a small town, and I eventually went to work in high heels and business suits and didn't like it at all. <laughs> didn't like being in the city, didn't like living in the city. And when Steve was offered a job uh, in a very small town in Washington County, um, I'm in Maine, mm-hmm. I was ready to go. I'd never heard of the place, but that was okay. I was ready for change. And three months later, we were in a small town of 900. And I thought, we're going to live here forever. (laughs) And within a year, everything felt very close. Our neighbors were very close. And I felt like I wasn't far enough out. So we started looking for um, some land. And we now live in a tiny town, population 60. Wow. Surrounded by woods and water. And we have... 45 acres, and it, no neighbors in sight, but they're not that far away either. Right. So it's really nice. Mm-hmm. So a lot of your homestead really just consists of a, a lot of hunting and fishing, and from what I can tell from your website anyway. And, uh, I mean, you do have a garden and stuff. Why don't you tell us a little mm-hmm. bit about your homestead and, and all the things you're doing there? Well, we went big fast. I decided <laughs> that we had to have livestock, so we've had uh, goats. Cattle, horses, pigs, chickens, ducks, turkeys. Um, we had a lot. We had animals for milk. We had animals for meat. And we had way too many animals just because. Yeah. Uh, somebody, yeah, you know, something needed to be rescued and, and rehabbed. It probably came here. And after a while, we had to say that's enough because that gets very expensive. Mm-hmm. And over the years, the girls grew up. Um, they're grown women now, and we don't have their horses anymore. Kept them in, well into their old age. And it's quieted down a little bit. Was a market farmer for 10 years and enjoyed that very much. But when our youngest was graduating high school, if there was any time to change, that was a good time. Yeah. So I thought about it for a while and got up one morning in March and said to my husband, um, I think I'm not going to market farm this year. I'm going to write full-time and, and give it an honest try. And he said, whatever you want to do. So our garden is, over the years, has dwindled down to about a quarter of an acre. Mm-hmm. We have high tunnels, and I use one that's 1,000 square feet and grow year-round. Another one is just on the side. After you have them anchored into the ground, you don't want to pull them up. So you find another right. reason to use them. Yeah. <laughs> So we dry our firewood in one of them, and the third one, the small one, is a grape harbor. So you, okay. know, you have to be adaptable when you're a homesteader. Well, so yeah, we, your we growing season your growing season is a lot shorter than mine up there too. So it's uh, you have to pretty much have those high tunnels up there. We we don't depend on being frost free until June first, and then usually the first week in September we have our first killing frost. Mm. So it's it's pretty short. Yeah. Yeah, that's a completely different setup than what we have around here, that's for sure. Uh, I mean, you pretty much grow everything, though. That I mean, just uh, anything that can be grown in the Midwest, you can grow up there. That's right. Yeah. That's right. Especially if, with the greenhouse. I can't do it outside. It, right. If I can't do it outside, it goes in high tunnel. Do you have any, like, uh, I mean, do you have an orchard or fruit trees and, and things like that as well? We do. We have apples, peach, one peach tree. We'll see if it survives our winter and the deer. <laughs> 
apple plum cherries and then the grapes, raspberries, and we have a lot of blackberries, but they're all wild, so we yeah. don't have to do anything with those other than go pick them. Well, how how much of your uh, 45 acres uh, is uh, wooded? We use, actively use as far as the house, the gardens, and we have a pond where mm-hmm. we raise rainbow trout. That's about three acres, and the rest is wooded. Okay. Wow. Yeah. So you've got uh, foraging and hunting is definitely a, a big part of your homestead for sure then. A big part of it. That's right. I have game cameras out now watching for, we live in an area that doesn't have many deer. So I'm watching for a buck mm-hmm. because we can't harvest does. And to date, it's pretty slow. We've seen one and that's it. But we have a lot of bear. Yeah. So you already um, took a bear this year, didn't you? I did. I I put in... 60 hours between tree stands and a ground blind in two places. We started off strong with 10 different bears coming to my site. And by opening week, it was down to three. And we had so many mushrooms and blackberries and apples that they didn't need to come into our site for anything. Yeah. But at the end of the third week, I said, that's it. <laughs> the first thing that shows up is mine, as long as it's, you know, an ethical animal, as long as it's not a cub. and. Uh-huh. She walked in and, you know, six, all the 60 hours of work and sitting and waiting was over in three minutes. <laughs> <It was laughs> then, then pretty the hard, anticlimactic. But yeah, well, then the hard right. work begins, right? You have to <laughs> process that animal. Right. And all that. Yeah. Right. Now, did you, did you take her with a bow or a gun or? No, with a rifle. With a rifle? A okay. rifle. I, we have, um, we're three weeks into bow season and I haven't had a chance to get out and hunt with my bow yet. Mm-hmm. But I had until the end of the regular deer season. So I'm hoping to take my first deer with a bow this year. We'll yeah. see. That'll be fun. Yeah, I, I enjoy bow hunting. I haven't seen anything. I've been out I haven't been out a lot. I've only went out I think four times and I haven't seen anything yet. So hopefully. Fingers crossed. <laughs> I'm envious of, of your hunting seasons and the number of big, beautiful deer that you have. We don't you know, we we have big deer, but they're few and far between. Really? Yeah. See, I was just a kind of assumed, but I mean, I've been up that way a couple times, and uh, it's, there's a lot of woods up there. I just assumed the uh, deer hunting was pretty good up there. I'm at the very edge of the state, close to the Canadian border on mm-hmm. the coastal side, and our forest harvesting has been drastic. So their habitat needs some time to recover. But if you go further north, it, it gets better, mm-hmm. and the southern part of the state is pretty good. Yeah. Okay. Well, yeah. We have great moose habitat. Really? Yeah. A lot, a lot of moose. The okay. harvesting that yeah, the harvesting that they do is perfect for moose. They like the young growth. They like mm-hmm. the tender saplings, and so it, it's really good for them. But wow. not so much for the deer. So you almost don't really have to raise any livestock because of the hunting. I mean, you you take a bear and a moose a year, and that's a lot of meat. Yeah, well, we haven't had a moose. That's by okay. lottery, and we haven't been drawn for it yet. Oh, okay. But we do have we have friends um, who live around the reservation who can hunt every year, mm-hmm. and they do share very generous with us. So okay. there aren't too many years that we don't have moose meat. Yeah. Uh, but as far as raising our own, uh, a couple of years ago we raised a couple of pigs. This year we're having a pig raised for us. And I'm just raising Cornish cross chickens and some broad-breasted white turkeys, and okay. that's it. We won't have to do much else. Yeah, well, that's 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 enough, isn't it? <laughs> that's a lot of work. That's enough. 
Right. When you put a, a bear and deer and the moose that we're given, sure. the pork that we we buy, a pig is less than two miles from here, and add in the fish, the partridge. Yeah. I was getting ready to say, I, don't I, buy I, much. I've seen you post uh, quite a bit about fishing and stuff, too, so I imagine it's a lot of that in the freezer as well. There is. I grew up with a fishing rod in my hand. That, that's my favorite. Yeah. If I had to choose between, I'm, I'm definitely better at putting food on the table with a fishing pole than I am a rifle. So yeah. That's all right. <laughs> well, that's good. That's uh, how, how large is the pond? Now, do you just primarily fish your own pond, or do you? Uh... We don't fish our pond very often. Oh. The rainbow trout, there's no inlet or outlet, so it's spring and rainwater filled. Mm-hmm. which means we do a, there are bait fish, but we still have to do a little bit of artificial feeding, mm-hmm. and they don't taste very good. Okay. It's fun to throw the food in and watch them. It's fun to catch them now and then, but they're mostly there for our amusement. How, how large is your pond? Oh, it's small. It's oh, okay. maybe 30 by, by 50. Oh, okay. It's not very okay. big. It's very deep. It's 22 feet deep on the oh, wow. deep end, so it's very deep. Well, yeah, with our winter, we need room yeah, <laughs> for yeah. the fish to be able to, that, to swim. Yeah, that's true. And think about that. We're surrounded by lakes and streams and ponds, so there's no loss of places to fish. Yeah, that's a great addition to the homestead, or if you can get, you know, have that access close, for sure. Um, and it sounds like you really have way more property than you actually even need for for what you uh, for what you do, but there's nothing wrong with that. It keeps the neighbors a little bit distant anyway, right? <laughs> well, it does. And being out here in the middle of nowhere, we don't have many neighbors to begin with. But having extra land, even though we don't use it, is insurance that we're not going to have neighbors who are too close. To right. Us. Yeah. And you know, uh, to me, there's just a. Uh, it's kind of a proving point that so many people think they have to have 50 or a hundred acres to homestead. And then you talk to people who have 50 acres or 40 acres or even 20 acres. And so much of the time they're only using a couple, two or three of those acres to actually homestead on. That's right. And you can grow as far as uh, plant food, you can grow a lot of plants in a small mm-hmm. amount of space. And, and you don't need a lot of room for them. Right, and depending on what livestock you're, you're going to, uh, I mean, there's a lot of smaller livestock that doesn't require a lot of space either. Um, I mean, if you're going to go ca- cattle or something, you obviously have to have a lot of room, but uh, there's a lot of livestock that can be raised on two or three acres. We don't have much for pasture, mm-hmm. and we don't have land that we really could turn into pasture. It's quite wet. So instead of having grazing cattle, we had browsers. So we had belted we had Belted Galloways, um, Scottish Highlands. They don't need a lot of pasture. They can mm-hmm. do just fine in the woods. Yeah. And, boy, they're great at, and so are the goats. They were great at clearing out. Yeah, yeah, no kidding. <laughs> kind of a, a double uh, benefit there from them, huh? It is. And we had pigs that you could fence into the woods, and they were happy rooting around out there and having a great time. Yeah, I would think so, that would be some they, of the healthiest meat, too. Uh, you got a... a, a forest foraging yeah. uh, pig would have to be a really healthy meat. It is, and it has a great flavor because mm-hmm. they're not just being fed pellets. They had all kinds of stuff, all the scraps sure. in the garden and whatever they found, and the, and they were happy pigs. Yeah. Well, uh, well, what inspired you to start a website and start telling the world what you were doing? I've been writing since I was 10 years old, so that's more than 40 years now. And 
when I first heard about these things called weblogs, I thought, no, I don't have anything interesting to say in that. Nobody cares about that. But then I started reading other blogs and got hooked and thought, well, I can share my story and I can share some of what I know. And then I met Elliot Coleman, who is the person who taught me how to use my high tunnels. And he said, we have to share what we know so that other people can benefit from it too. And I said, that's it. I need a, a blog. And from there, it's just kind of grown and I enjoy it a lot. It's kind of like sitting down and talking to friends mm-hmm. and then I can go catch up and see what other people are doing. It's been great. And it's led to some writing jobs for me. So you actually met Elliot Coleman. Yeah, I've been to his place a couple of times. Really? Okay. Wow. He's received quite an education there then, huh? Yes. Uh, his, he has one simple rule. Stay out of the way. So <laughs> he's probably not going to stop what he's doing while you're there. But as long as you follow along and if you know what you're doing, pitch in and help. Otherwise, keep asking questions, but stay out of the way. <laughs> He'll tell you everything he knows. He's wow. very generous with his information. Yeah, yeah, that's great. Uh so, so you decided in, his, in, in, the, in those footsteps to kind of do the same thing, uh, share, share knowledge with the world and kind of inspire some people and uh, go down that same path in a, in a sense, huh? Well, and it's a little less scary when you can read. It's one thing to read a book and have book knowledge, but when you're reading from somebody who's doing it on a daily basis, and sharing some of their major screw-ups, <laughs> you think, well, you know, <laughs> that didn't go well, but nobody died, so I can do that. <laughs> yeah, there's always next time, as long as you still get your your fingers. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Wow. Well, it sounds like you got uh, quite a bit going on there. I mean, enough to keep you busy, for sure. And uh, have you found you've had to, like... Uh, you already said earlier you kind of got rid of some livestock just because uh, it's a little too much. But uh, you talk a little bit about that. I mean, what do you think about having to scale back at times? So many people think always got to be adding, back. you know. And that's what I thought. I thought real, quote-unquote, real homesteaders had to have this, 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 and this, and you had to do certain things to be a real homesteader. Mm-hmm. And over the years I've learned that's not true at all. Yeah. There were four of us in the house, and now there are only two because Taylor and Kristen have grown and are on their own. So we don't need all that meat. We don't need all of the vegetables. So scaling back seemed like the natural thing to do, Mm -hmm. but it's not that easy. When you put all this time into putting in fence posts, uh, fencing in areas of the woods for the browsers, You've got this huge garden. You can't just let the garden go back on its own because it becomes a weedy mess. Mm-hmm. So there's there's almost as much work involved in scaling back as there is to growing. Yeah. And it's another learning curve. You know, you're learning as you're expanding, but you're also it's almost like learning all over again. There are things you forget. Uh, I don't know how many years it took me to start two dozen tomato plants instead of 300 <laughs> it's habit <laughs> yeah it, it, it's an adjustment i know that uh my wife you know, always cooks dinner every night and we had three daughters that we raised and she was just always used to cooking these big meals every night and then when all the kids grew up and mm-hmm. moved out it was like how do you cook for two people nobody knows <laughs> we're trying to figure it out still and they've been out for a couple uh, of years yeah. <laughs> Yeah, we're still trying to figure it out. Taylor's been out for 
five years now, and I still think not two potatoes is enough. (laughs) Yeah, we'll eat leftovers for like three nights in a row just because we overcook every time. (laughs) Right, which is great when it's the busy season, Mm -hmm. when you can just go to the refrigerator and warm something up. That's great, but it, it. it does get tiresome three or four nights yeah, in a row. Yeah, it's just funny how it, that is something that you just do. And I imagine it's the same way with anything with the homestead, too. It's like, how do I just raise this many chickens or how do I only, you know, grow this big of a garden? Yeah, I could definitely see right. it having the same effect. Okay. Well, and as homesteaders, a lot of what we do is all about food mm. and having to make the adjustment, not just how much do you cook, but how many chickens do you raise? Mm-hmm. Do you really need a whole pig or is half a pig all right? It, it's a lot of relearning. Sure, sure. And, and, and you know, I, I noticed on your site you, you post a lot of uh, recipes as well. And, uh, I mean, that's a big part of homesteading as well is cooking. I mean, it, it ain't just about raising it and, and you know, growing it. I mean, if you really don't know how to prepare it, uh, what good is it really, right? I mean, I see you do that a lot. Right. What's the point? And... A month or so ago, I started hosting a cooking show in the Midwest, hmm. and it's all cooking wild game, fresh food, uh, so I have to do something with it. So I started sharing more recipes, and sometimes it can be kind of scary. You have all this food, and what are you supposed to do with it? It needs to be simple. Everything yeah. can be delicious and simple at the same time. So I keep it as, as easy as possible, and when you're homesteading and you're growing all this great food, it's easy to be a good cook when you're starting with the best ingredients. Sure. Yeah, and I found that, uh, to me, food preparation is one of the most important skills when it comes to homesteading because I know the first couple of years I was you know, going down this path, I threw away a lot of food because we just couldn't use it or didn't know how to use it in the right ways. And we only knew maybe one way to, to cook it or prepare it. And it just got wasted a lot of times because we didn't, you know, we didn't know yet. You know, we're still learning. It's a big learning curve. And yeah. it's a lot different when you're throwing out something that you've worked very hard to raise or grow mm-hmm. compared to not giving it a whole lot of thought if all you had to do was go to the grocery store and buy it. Sure, you had to work hard to earn the money to buy that, but that's not quite the same as throwing out an uneaten chicken leg from a chicken that you raised. Yeah, it just just feels wrong, for sure. It does. It gives you a connection to your food that you probably didn't have any idea existed before you started doing it yourself. Right. Yeah, I'm looking over right now. I went out this morning and I picked a bunch of... uh, peppers off my peppers plants and it's like what am i going to do with all these and i look over and my dehydrator's going you know right now i sliced them all up put them in the dehydrator you ain't going to eat all those right now mm-hmm. so you got to do something with them you know and and you just you, you start just developing a system where you you do something with it it's you're either going to blanch it and freeze it you're going to can it you're going to dehydrate it you're going to do something with it or because you just you know how wrong it feels to throw something away that you've put so so much hard work into for sure that's right that's yeah. right that's, and and it's actually a lot of fun to be able to use it. I started cooking a pork roast today, started preparing it, and Taylor's here for the weekend, so she finished getting it together for me because mm-hmm. I had something else I needed to do, and it it's a pig that we raised, that we mm-hmm. knew, with garlic that we grew, and when all is said and done, there won't be a scrap of that roast that goes to waste. 
nothing will, will go to waste. The dogs will get the bones because yeah. they're not dry, brittle bones. Uh, even if we have to throw the excess tomatoes into the chicken pen and let the chickens and the turkeys eat them, it's still not wasted. Now, do you do all your own uh, processing of your animals as well? We do our poultry, but when we had um, cattle and mm-hmm. had pigs, we sent those out. Big job. We're just yeah. not equipped for it. It is. It's a big job, and we're not equipped for it, mm-hmm. and it's not a job that we're particularly good at. Mm. And I used to think back in the days of real hogs and setters do all these things. used to think if I raised it, I also had to butcher it. Mm. And after a couple of years, I realized there are people who are a lot better at this job than me, yep. and they should be the ones doing it. Lot you don't fast, want to ruin fast, a cut. Yeah, and you can take a lot of time doing that as well. I mean, it, it can be a pretty time-consuming uh, uh, task, uh, take it, especially uh, cattle. I mean, that's a big animal. How about the animals you hunt? I mean, do you process any of those, your deer or bear or any of that, or you have processing places I, around there to do that? We usually take them to the processor, but this year I wanted to do my bear mm. because I, I knew I wanted a lot of sausage. Mm-hmm. So. It, there's nothing fancy about that. Once you get the back strap out and and save that, the rest of it was either going to be burger, sausage, or stew meat. So you can't really ruin that, even if you don't know what you're doing. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> so it was, Steve broke it down into manageable sizes for me. Mm-hmm. So you go out to the cooler, grab a bear leg, and come in. And he came home one night after I'd been doing this all day, and I said, you know, Grinding up a bear was never on my life plan. <laughs> <laughs> well, you got Funny you have the experience change. now. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, I did. But well, it took me three days. Wow. Yeah. Well, you got it yeah, done. Very time consuming. I got it done, but if I'd taken it to the butcher, it would have been a lot faster. Yeah. Right. But uh, now you know. Next time you take it to the butcher, <laughs> no, you. Yeah, I will. Yeah. Well, it's nice. It's nice <laughs> to know will. how to do those things. If if. Uh, even if you do take it somewhere, it's nice to know how to do it and know that you can do it when you need to. Well, uh, on the last deer, I thought I was all set to drop it off at the butcher. And I called and said, I'm on my way in. And he said, I just had eight come in and I don't have room. Mm-hmm. So then what do you do? You either scramble to find somebody else or you do it yourself. Yeah. So having that skill, you can't always depend on somebody else because life happens. So learn those skills. Even if you might not use them often, learn how to do it. Absolutely. Good advice. Uh, Before we get too far away from it, now you mentioned a minute ago that you were doing a cooking show. Is that right? I do. Is there some place that people can see that or where's that at? It's it's on the radio. It's in eight stations, uh, eight states in the Midwest on 19 stations. And it's part of the Big Wild, which is a show that's 14 years old. And I took over for Jenny Corvo oh, five or six weeks ago, I guess. And so I don't get to listen to it live. I have to track down a station and, and be able to hear it, or they'll send me my segment. Yeah, I wonder for some later on that they play that online or anything. That... Working on turning it into a podcast. Okay, okay. And, well, yeah. And, let us you know, know when I that love happens. Podcasts. <laughs> I love podcasts, so I'm looking forward to that. Yeah, that'd be great. You have to definitely let us know when that happens. Right. It's part of the Big Wild, and my segment is called On the Fire. And we, okay. I've done 
indoors cooking. I'm going to move outdoors and do a roast to chicken in a Dutch oven with some potatoes and onions and carrots on the campfire. And so I get to have a lot of fun with it. And I do love sure. to cook because, like I said, when, when you're doing all of this work to raise this great food, easy to be a good cook. Absolutely. They are they are as, as big of a homesteading skill as gardening or raising livestock any day of the week, for sure. Cooking is just as right. important. That's great. Well, it sounds like you do have an awful lot going on there, and uh, I, I've just been blown away by your website. I love reading your articles. You always have some uh, great uh, articles in there, and, and I've gained a lot. I enjoy reading your hunting articles and your, your uh, recipes and all those things. So I, I know everybody really enjoys it and we'll definitely have some links to all that stuff. Is, let me, before we, uh, we um, get off here, I just want to ask you, do you have any advice for, for folks who are maybe just getting started homesteading or they're thinking about getting into homesteading? Find somebody who will let you tag along, mm-hmm. whether it's in the barn or the pasture or the garden or the kitchen. Reading is very helpful. You can mm-hmm. learn a lot, but book knowledge is not the same as hands-on. Yeah. So if you have somebody who will take you under their wing and teach you how to do this, or even only let you watch, because sometimes you don't want an inexperienced person having their hands in there because mm-hmm. things can go wrong. Yeah. Even if you can watch, um, call the cooperative extension and ask them what they're doing. Um, our community colleges are doing wild game cooking series, and it's an inexpensive class to take. Learn what you can hands-on before you buy that first piece of land or get that first animal. Mm-hmm. It's not so important when you kill your tomato plant because it's not tragic when a tomato right. dies. You don't want to make that kind of mistake with livestock or, or poultry or anything like that. So yeah. learn everything you can beforehand and don't be afraid to ask for help when you need it when you first get started because nobody goes into this knowing everything right 25 years into this i certainly don't know it all that's right yeah that's that's good advice that's great advice and uh and as much as i love blogs and i love podcasts and and all those ways to learn you're absolutely right you have to it's so much easier and it's gonna it's definitely gonna shorten the learning curve to be around some some folks that are already doing it and to get some you know uh, real hands-on experience with it absolutely that's good advice it breaks down that romantic notion that comes with the idea of homesteading (laughs) and it's all lovely and wonderful until you're holding the sick goat in your arms Mm. or something awful happens. So that kind of mental preparation for the things that can happen, that's a big one too. Yeah, you're, you're right. I've, I've had that experience as well. And, uh, you know, jumped into some livestock blind and wanted to try this, wanting to try that. And yeah, I've had to, I've had to bury a few animals that weren't even worth eating. (laughs) It happens. It happens. Start with chickens and and work your way Mm -hmm. out. That's great. That's great advice. So, well, how can people uh, find you online? I think we've mentioned it a couple times, but go ahead and uh, shout out your information there. The blog is alifeinthewild.com, and there are links on the main page to Pinterest and Facebook and Twitter uh, and Instagram. Mm -hmm. I know I'm all over the place. Where is (laughs) I am? You're in all those important places, right? (laughs) Yeah, well, the... I, I had to narrow that down too. You know, yeah. you, you think you have to do it all, and then you realize, yeah, I have my favorites and the ones that work, and you sure. cut back. So that's what works for me. 
Absolutely. Well, that's great. Well, I'm, I'm, I know people are going to run and check out your blog and all your great articles, and it's been a it's been a real joy having you on the podcast today, Robin. It's been great. Thank you for asking me. <laughs> You're welcome. Well, I hope you enjoyed that interview with uh, Robin, and uh, I'm going to put links to uh, Elliot Coleman's website, theforseasonfarm.com, whom she mentioned, and some of his books that he's written. Uh, just a, a great resource and a full of information for the homesteader. I think it'd do anybody good to check out some of his stuff. He's got some really good stuff out there. And also I'm going to put a link in the show notes um, to the Big Wild radio show and and especially uh, Robin's program, On the Fire, uh, and it, just a list of some uh, stations that that's playing on. Uh, so you can check that out if you want. And, uh, of course, I'll have links to all of Robin's uh, stuff on there as well. And uh, if, if you haven't been over to her website, uh, alifeinthewild.com, run on over there and check it out. Some really good stuff uh, she's written on that on that uh, blog. And, uh, again, uh, Robin is in the Homestead Front Porch, so if you want to chat with her in there and uh, join up and... She's in there quite a bit and uh, sharing information and being involved in the discussions. So uh, you can uh, talk to her further there for sure. Hey, I really appreciate you uh, joining me again this week. And uh, we're going to have a few of these. Uh, I got a few interviews with some different homesteaders. Some of them have websites. Some of them don't. And that's okay. You know, we're just here to hear about what folks are doing on their uh, homesteads and uh, learn from them and be inspired by them. And uh, I know I enjoy hearing about what other people are doing. So I think you will as well. And until next week, uh, happy homesteading, and God bless. Thanks for listening. To see the show notes for this podcast or listen to other podcast episodes, go to smalltownhomestead.com. There you can also read our blog, connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, and Google+, and take advantage of the many resources we make available to help you along in your homesteading journey. Please share this podcast and help us to carry out our mission of helping others to homestead today for a better tomorrow. Thank you.